The IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Hey kids, it is me, it's your dude, IZ Robots, and we're back for another super exciting, super fun, super, uh, super thought-provoking episode of the Stuck at Home Show. That's the one where we, uh, try to stay inside and avoid the bug, avoid the viruses, just trying to stay safe, it's all good in the hood, you wanna know why? Because I love you guys, man. I love you guys with all my heart. This is like, this is a labor of love if it's anything, man. This is, this is episode number 48. I have been at this for like so long now. I feel like sometimes all I do is hide in the house and make episodes of the Stuck at Home show. But that's fine, man. It's really, uh, it's really gratifying. But I hope that, I hope that you guys appreciate the effort. I hope that you guys appreciate the work that goes into each and every one of these dudes. It's backbreaking. It like... I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do whatever, dude. It's just like, it is what it is, ultimately. Let's see what's going on in the world. Not a lot, my guy, just just staying in, just doing whatever. I haven't gone to the flea market on Sundays, which is nice. I wear a mask, I hide, but I, I do enjoy getting out there. I've been going for walks, been exercising, been watching TV. I'm watching The Boys on Amazon, I'm liking that. I'm watching The Umbrella Academy, I'm liking that. I... I'm watching, uh, The Tick. I haven't seen The Tick before, and I'm really, um, I'm digging that. This is, this is the new Tick. Not the old school Tick with Patrick Warburton. This is the, uh, modern Tick. It's really, it's really funny. I've been enjoying the, uh, Amazon Prime universe. I've been going through, going through there, watching stuff. Just, like, just trying to stay busy. Just trying to stay active. Just trying to stay interested in things. And I hope that you guys are all doing the same. I was, I was going through my G.I. Joe shelf the other day. I have, like, you know, the three shelves of action figures. And then atop the bookcases are a bunch of, like, a bunch of different things in boxes and stuff. And they've all been up there for so long that, like, I, I, I like, hardly ever look at them, if you know what I mean. Like, when you have things on display so long, they just kind of become, like, part, like, part of the property. And I was, I was digging around up there. Hold on, I'm reaching for something far away. Let me, uh, let me get back here. Let me move this. I have a cup of water. This is a fun cup. I like... I like plastic tumblers, like the kind that you would get, like, at 7-Eleven, or the kind you get, like, at McDonald's and stuff. And this one, this one is a USA Basketball Olympic Cup with Thunder Dan Marley. I used to think Thunder Dan was, like, so dope. That's just, like, hold on, I'm putting it on my little table over here, so I'm facing away from the mic. I just think that nickname, Thunder Dan, is just so great. But what I have, what I have here, and what I'm going to unbox as we talk, is a 1985 G.I. Joe Ammo Dump Unit. This is part of the Modern Army Battlefield Accessories Kit, the G.I. Joe Mobile Army Ammo Dump Unit. It's part of the new Modern Army G.I. Joe collection of vehicles, weapons, figures, and accessories. Use it to help G.I. Joe defend democracy and battle his evil enemy, Cobra. What it is, basically, is like, it's a big, it's a big, uh, trunk full of different ammos that you can use on your vehicles. It has a couple action figure stands. Let me, let me open this up. And see what's inside. Let me actually, factually, let me, let me tell the story of how I came to uh, get this. It's really like, it's really ingrained in my mind. One day the wife and I, and this was like, I'm not even kidding. This was like years and years and years ago. Like 20, 25 years ago, the wife and I were going to the uh, Sebastopol flea market. And at the time, this was the only flea market in Sonoma County. There was one in Marin, there was one in Alameda, but this was the only one around here. And as such, it was always booming and we... We would go every Sunday and go hang out. So we're going through there. And then toward the end, we hadn't found anything, as I recall. It was like kind of a boring, boring flea market day. But then at the end, I went up to a table. We went by it, rather. And on the table was this ammo dump unit 
and the uh, G.I. Joe, what is it? I can't see it from here. The, um, the, uh, hold on one sec. I'm over here across the room. I don't know if you guys can hear me. I'm hoping that you can. I should have, I should have, uh, remembered this. It is the Missile Defense Unit. We'll talk about that at a later date. Let me come back, sit down. This is sometimes the most unprofessional amateur show you've ever seen in your life. But these two things were sitting on somebody's table. It was a girl. And at the time, she was older than me. But now, she'd be younger than what I am now. I'm thinking mid-20s, late-20s, something like that. Normal-looking girl. And these were the only two things on her table. These two boxed G.I. Joes. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. I can't believe it. That's a boxed G.I. Joe thing. So I go, kind of like trying to play it like laissez-faire. I go, what a... What do you want for this? And she goes, I don't know, $5? So I'm thinking, I'm going to get them both, right? So I pull out $10, and I hand her the 10 and then she handed me $5 change, because she meant $5 for both. I was just like, I was so happy, and I have, over the years, wondered what the deal with that was. Like, why did she have these two things? Why were they so cheap? In my mind, I kind of made it the story to where, like, she had broken up with her boyfriend, and they were on bad terms, so she was selling off her G.I. Joe collection, and maybe there were, like, other things there earlier. And by the time I got there, this was all that was left. But I'm I'm happy to have these two things. Ugh, there's a lot of dust on this. I have not touched this. I can't even tell you, like, how long it's been since I touched this. It's just been up on the shelf. This was... This was originally purchased at Long's Drugs for $3.59. On the cover, there's a nice picture of Rakondo... Going through the different ammo. He's pulling out a missile. Let's open it up. There is... There's a pack of paper goods. The various ephemera. The stickers. The stickers are not yet stuck, which is really neat. This thing is just like... It's almost... It's like brand new, dude. It's so great. Here's the stickers. Here's a little... Uh, Here's a catalog. Is this a catalog? No, this is the mail-away thing where you can send proofs of purchase. Oh, this is the one where you can get the Manta. That's that uh, windsurf board. You can get a dog tag. You could get all kinds of fun stuff. I got that in here. That's really, really cool. Here's a little catalog with all the different guys out at the time. There's Dial Tone, Wetsuit, Leatherneck, Roadblock, Beachhead, Dusty, Alpine, Footloose, Iceberg, Lifeline, Sci-Fi, Snake, Guys, and Quick Kick. And then here is a little instruction panel for, uh where to put the stickers on the various things. That's all really, really cool. Let me, let me put this back here in the bag so that nothing, uh, nothing happens to this because it is quite glorious. Now, let's see, how should I dump this stuff out? Let me, um, let me clear off a space here on the desk and let me pour this stuff out. I think, yeah, that's perfect. I got it out. Here's the chest. Very, very, very cool. Just a neat little wooden chest. It opens up here. Let me get it open. Pops open easy enough. And then you have, let's see, what do you have? I'm going to put them all inside. You have one, two, three long skinny missiles. And then one, two, three shorter fat missiles. Then you have a gas can, very similar to the one that goes on the back of the vamp. That, uh, jeep that clutch drives. Then you have a small box with a bunch of imprinted, um, ammo on top. Very cool. Then here's another ammo box. Very cool. And then two small, two small bombs. 
and they all fit inside this chest. And then there's two action figure stands. What do you think? Should I keep these stands in their original box or should I use them as stands for guys that need them? As for now, I'm going to put them back in here. But if I do get a situation where I need some stands, I might I might pull them out. It's really cool how everything goes inside this chest. And then there's like two strings to act as handles. So you could have like the guys carry this out into the jungle. This is one of my neatest G.I. Joe things. I had, I had the mobile missile base when I was a kid, but I did not have the ammo dump. It's just really, really cool. This would be neat to photograph. I should maybe consider taking this out. Let's see, on the bottom it says 1985. Man, can you believe that is so old? Is it like 37 years old? Hasbro, Bradley Inc., Pawtucket, Rhode Island, M38851. Just very, very, very cool. I like this. I like it a lot. Hold on, there's something still here in the box. What is it? Oh, it's another stand. It's supposed to only come with two stands. So I will actually take this third stand and use it on a figure and still keep everything nice and complete. Let me see the stands that I have in there because I'm curious what colors they were. On the package, the stands are light green. And then, okay, I got two green ones and then one brown one. I'll take the brown one out. I'm thinking the green ones go with this. So cool, so great. It's like, it's been up there so long, just like untouched. Do you guys have things on your shelf that have like been there so long that you just kind of, you kind of forget that they even exist? You kind of, let me wipe some of this dust off. It is literally dusty and has cobwebs on it. It's dusty like the G.I. Joe Desert Trooper. This is fantastic. I love this. I love this a lot. I love this picture of Rakondo on the front. He has like a handlebar mustache and he's pulling a missile out. He's like, gonna use this to blow up some Cobras. Gonna use this to blow them to bits. All right, let's move forward in the show. We're gonna, we're gonna jump into the pandemic pantry in a sec. But before we do that, let's listen to this 1985 commercial for G.I. Joe Comics. It's going to be a ton of fun. I promise. Be right back. Someone is coming! It's your turn! Dreadlocks, Kopanichi! You must attack G.I. Joe before dawn! Help They can destroy and leave no traces! Dreadlocks! Evil is written all over their faces! Dreadlocks! Horrifying new foe of G.I. Joe! Searchlights! G.I. Joe! American hero! Fighting evil cobra! Legend of G.I. Joe continues at Marvel Comics. The Pandemic Pantry with your host, the Sausagitarian. Hey guys, me, Sarah Burr, your girl, the Sausagitarian. I am calling from the Pandemic Pantry top secret test kitchen. And I have a lot of stuff going on in the Pandemic Pantry this week. I've been making things with pawpaws. Yes, that's P-A-W-P-A-W. It's the largest fruit native to North America. Why am I cooking pawpaws? What are pawpaws besides the largest fruit native to North America? Pawpaws are a fruit that grows here in Ohio where I live. And they taste kind of like a cross between a mango and a banana. They grow out in the woods, and right around this time of year, there's a bunch of them. And I go out and I collect them. They're they're kind of shaped like knobby little mangoes. They're they range in size. Um, the big one would weigh like one pound. They don't get that huge. And the fruit inside, the flesh is like saffron yellow colored, and the texture is kind of like 
kind of like baby food once you start getting into it. I, I might be underselling these, but I love them. They're amazing. They, they taste like nothing you would ever have thought could grow in a place like Ohio. And they're, they're out in the woods just waiting for you to go get them. So that's what I've been busy doing every year around this time. I go out and I gather as many pawpaws as I can, and then I do stuff with them. So I've been putting the pawpaw pulp in my yogurt in the morning. I made a baked pawpaw pudding that's kind of like a pumpkin pie, but you don't put spices in it, and it doesn't have a crust. And it's super good. I ate the whole thing all by myself in two days. Good thing I've been doing that horsepower initiative and tromping all around the woods you know, on top of that. Um, foraging is a thing I love doing, and during this pandemic, if you can get outside safely and do your distancing and all that, it's a really good way to just occupy your brain, walk in the earth, really helps to work out that anxiety. It detoxifies all the nasty thoughts that are in your head. And of course, it's, it's a great thing for your body. So I really recommend it. I don't recommend stripping trees of all of the fruit in your neighborhood. I don't recommend eating plants that you can't identify. But get outside, go on a walk, maybe go out to the woods or whatever you have around you and just look at stuff and start noticing what's out there. It doesn't have to be plants. It could be walking around the city looking at architecture. Just get out if you can. And if you can't, um, I don't know, I hope you're reading some good books and watching some good TV. And maybe you can go on Instagram. And what I like to do is look at all my foraging friends. They're always posting stuff. And I'm learning about new mushrooms and things that grow out in the desert and things that grow up in the mountains in North Carolina. Pawpaws do grow there, but uh, they have other stuff we don't have here. So I have this whole fellowship of people who are these foraging freaks, just like me. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope things are safe, and I hope you're feeling good about what's going on in your life. you got to keep your head up, and if you're feeling funky, go out, go on a walk, and you, I promise you will not regret it, okay? Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Yo, icy robots, just kick a little something for them cars that be bumping. Yeah, man, I am glad to kick something for them cars. That was, uh, that was of course, Sarah the Sausagetarian. You can find her Sausagetarian.com, at Sausagetarian on the tweets. I had never, like, I had never, not never, ever heard of a pawpaw until I met Sarah. And then it was just like, it was like all she ever talks about, man. And it's really, it's really interesting to me. To see, like, something so big in her life be something that, like, I have never even not never heard of. I, I don't know. It's just, it's so wacky to me. You think that, like, you think that, like, you've heard of all the fruits that there are in the world. But then there's this one that's a key part of her life that I've never heard of. It's just really, really wacky to me. It kind of, it kind of leads you down this, this mental path of, like, what are some other things that I've never heard of? Are there other fruits? Are there other vegetables that I have never even known? I... I don't know, man. It's wacky. It's wacky to me. I like the idea of foraging. I I think that, like, when I do my dumpster diving expeditions and my things like that, these are foraging trips. The wife and I, we have this motto. It goes, always be gathering. And what that means is you never know when you're going to need something. You never know when something you come across might be something you need in a week or two, month or two, even a year later. So always keep your eye out for something that you might be able to bring home and use. A good example is uh, on the last episode, maybe the one before that, I don't know, we talked about some dumpster diving stuff and we found like, we found like these giant poles, these long wooden poles that we, that we brought home. Well, just this last week, we took the poles and we cut them 
into, I think we cut each one into three or into fours, and we made like a small little fence out of them that we wrapped all around our apple tree. We have two apple trees in the backyard, and we uh, we made this fence, and it honestly looks really, really, really great. We also used, uh, we used some pieces from this piece of like bathroom furniture, like this bathroom shelf that we had that we replaced. We put some actual like wood shelves up on the wall, but we like, we used pieces from this shelf to like stake the uh the fence into the ground to add stability and the whole thing looks great and the best part about it is it cost us nothing it cost us zero dollars and if you went down these poles are going to cost like eight nine ten dollars a piece so we saved a lot of money dude it's like it was just a really fun thing always be gathering i i cannot stress that enough i think that like i think when like this whole pandemic started we all kind of like, we all thought that everything was how it was going to be. We thought everything was going to be fine. We never thought anything would be different. But we learned that like, at the beginning, some things were hard to come across. Some things were hard to find. So you want to keep in your mind that you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never know what tomorrow might need from you or what you might need out of tomorrow. So it's just keep your eyes open for useful things. Keep your eyes open for things that may be of some purpose in the future. Now, I'm not advocating that you guys become hoarders. Far from it. I keep a very neat, very organized collection of stuff in my house. You gotta, you gotta be able to get access and find and know what you have for something to be useful. So make sure that's a top priority as well as finding cool stuff. Just don't, don't just like bring stuff home, throw it in your house, lose track of it. You got to keep things organized. We have an area for lumber. We have an area for this. We have an area for that. It's just, that is just as important as gathering. Always be gathering. Always be sorting. That's the key from your guy. Big shout out to Sarah. I definitely appreciate this one. This was a good pandemic pantry, man. It's nice to see, it's nice to see what other people are obsessed with. Just like I'm obsessed with G.I. Joe's. Just like I'm obsessed with a TV recorded on the videotape. It's nice to see somebody else obsessed about something. That something is pawpaws. Pawpaws are great. I've never tasted one. I hope someday too. Let's move forward in the show. I just took a bath. It's disgusting. A bath. Um, very good soak. The soak of the year. A bath. The soak of the year. A bath. All right, it is me, and we are back for another exciting segment of Calgon Take Me Away, the Soak of the Year. This is where I share some of the things I was thinking about when I was when I was in the bathtub, letting the stress just walk away from me, just letting everything go away through the power of hot water and bubbles. I love to take a bath. I take them all the time. It's just, it's so nice to get into the hot water, feel the bubbles float all over you, pop in the air. It's just amazing, dude. I'll read a magazine. I'll eat a popsicle. It's just, it's one of the most relaxing things I can think of. But when I was in there, when I'm in there frequently, sometimes I'll get I'll get lost in these deep thoughts. Sometimes it's like something I'll read in a magazine. Sometimes it's whatever. And I was sitting there and I was looking at this woman's magazine that my wife had. I think it was, I think it was Woman's Health. She likes to uh, read these when she's in the tub. And I kind of, I kind of saw it sitting there and I'm just like, eh, I'll take a look at this for a second. And they had like, they had this little thing about limiting beliefs. And I thought that this was interesting. Limiting beliefs are things that you kind of believe about yourself that hold you back. Things like, 
I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not fast. Maybe I'm a bad athlete. Maybe I am awkward, like an awkward guy. Maybe I have, like, social anxiety, things like that, that we get into our heads that we believe, and they have, like, a negative effect on our lives. I'll talk about one that I have that kind of, like, maybe will help you think about some that you might possibly have. I kind of I kind of have this fear of success that holds me back. And I know that that sounds weird, but it's definitely something that I feel like a lot of us suffer from. There have been like, there have been numerous times in my past when I didn't grab that ring when it was there for me to grab. There were times when I didn't take opportunities that I had because not that I was afraid that I would fail, more so because I was afraid that I would succeed and I was afraid of the work that might come with that success. Does that make sense? I was afraid that like, Let's just say this is an example. Somebody comes to me and they go, hey, we want to take the Stuck at Home show and we want to put it on NBC. The odds are very good that I am going to say no. The odds are very great that I'm going to turn it down. Not because I'm afraid that it's going to suck. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to fail because I know I don't suck. I know I won't fail. I know you give me a chance, I'll take it and I'll make it. But I would be afraid of all the work that would be involved with making this success come true. This is something that's definitely holding me back. For the longest time, I was like an awkward guy. And I kind of focused on this awkward guy. I kind of focused on my social anxieties. Till one day I'm like, you know, you're not awkward. You're not weird. You're handsome. You're cool. You're smart. You have a lot to say. And these these kind of feelings just sort of, they just sort of wafted away from me. I, I was reading a list on some of these other beliefs that you have. There's like a fear of success, a fear of failure, fear of not being good enough to achieve what we want, fear of not being loved, fear that like maybe no one likes me, fear of like having negative attributes stuck on ourselves. It's like I'm slow, I'm dumb, I'm not a good athlete, all these kind of things. Fear of being great, fear that like maybe we don't deserve our success. I think that it's very important every once in a while to just like look at things that we believe about ourselves and see where maybe they came from. Maybe how we can like get rid of these. And I kind of, I kind of examined myself a little bit emotionally when I was in the tub and I started thinking like, where did this fear of success come from? Where did this fear that maybe like I don't deserve to be successful in a lot of ways? And I kind of, I kind of pin it down to when I was in school, when I was in high school specifically. I've always been kind of a chatty Kathy. I like to talk. And when I was in class, I was always talking. I can't Sometimes I can't help myself. Sometimes I can't help, like, flap my gums. And this was something that really irked teachers. And I was always getting in trouble. I was always getting sent out of class. And this this really affected my self-worth. Every time I express myself, every time I talk, I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting sent out of class. I'm getting all these issues and things. Like, I was always having, like, my parents come down to the school because I just liked to talk. I had a lot to say. I would talk in class. I would ask questions. I would talk to other kids. I just, like... I can't help myself. And instead of, instead of a teacher, like, reaching out to me and going, like, hey, I see robots, you like to talk. Have you considered drama? Have you considered maybe, like, comedy? Have you considered maybe, like, a radio career? Things like that. They took something that I was good at and something that I enjoyed and turned it into a negative. They would send me to the office, send me here. There were times where they would just, like, make me sit in the hallway in a chair by myself because I like to talk because I would like to interact with the kids. And it sort of, it sort of made me become kind of like a quiet, kind of an awkward person. And this was something I had to kind of like fight my way through. This was something I had to like push and shove and find my way again to become 
and expressive person. So I think it's really important every once in a while to like, look at yourself, look at your beliefs, look at how you view yourself and what you can do to change that. I think it's really important to understand and to believe you are who you say you are. This is something I get from the Iron Giant. I think that movie's great. And there's a lot of things you can learn from that. You are who you say you are. You're not who other people say you are. You decide who you are. Do you want to be a jock? Be a jock. Do you want to be a smart guy? Hey man, go learn. Become a smart guy. Do you want to be a confident guy? All that's stopping you from being a confident guy is yourself. You got to reach inside and find these things. Examine yourself all the time. These things are, they're just so important. Don't let outside stimuli get into your beliefs and don't let these things become like negative limiting beliefs. I am not a life coach. I'm having a hard time expressing what I'm trying to say, but I, I think that's just very important to look at how you view yourself every once in a while. See where these views may have come from. See what you can do to improve these views and see what you can do to become a better, smarter person. See, taking a bath, it's useful sometimes. Just getting, just like, it gets your brain open, dude. You get open to the, uh, to the world of the bubbles and the world of the water and you become a smarter guy. Let's move forward into the show. I hope you, uh... You are listening to Icy Robots Radio. All right, this is me once again, and we are back for... This is going to be the end of the show. This is going to be the final segment. I, um, I hit up the tweets the other day at Icy Robots on the, on the, on the tweets, and then I also went to the Facebook group, facebook.com backslash Icy Robots, which is still... Which is still in effect, despite me not really wanting it to be. But I, I don't know, man. You gotta, you gotta reach out to people any, any, any way you can. But I, I asked you guys. I asked you. I said, hey, do you have any questions that you might want to ask me about anything? You know, ask me about anything. I asked you if you want to ask me anything about anything. And I got, I got a few good ones. And I thought that I would go over those for like the final, um, the final segment of the show. Let's, let's see. I got them all written down. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Don't really have, like, an order. Let me see if I can just, like, tie these together some way. The first one that I think, that I think I'm going to ask is, like, hey, man, have you, uh, have you seen any good movies lately? Have you been watching anything in this, uh, this weird world? This was from, um, this is from our guy, the Necrotic Doctor. And let's see, I wrote, I wrote down some of the movies I've seen since the, uh, since all this started. I'm looking at my list right now, so I'm away from the microphone, and I, I apologize for that. I saw... I saw a movie called Vast of Night. It's an Amazon movie. It's about uh, it's about aliens, about UFOs. I thought that was pretty good. I saw a movie called Seventy Five Hundred with uh, Joe Gordon Levitt, Joe Go, which which is about a hijacker attacking a group of hijackers attacking an airplane. The whole the whole movie is set inside the cockpit. I thought this was very tense, very very good. That's also on Amazon Prime. You can check that out if you want. I saw I saw Superman Red Sun. It's a DC animated movie. I saw that on a on the DC Universe app, which is going to be going the way of the dinosaurs soon. They're moving they're moving all the video content over to a HBO Max, which I still don't have on my Roku. Get get that going, you guys. I, I need to have this because I got to keep up on my Titans. I got to keep up on my Doom Patrol. I want to watch my Justice League Unlimited. All these things, but they're going to be upping the comic content on uh, on DC Universe. It's going to become like a comic exclusive app, and I hear I hear it's going to be dynamite. They tell me it's going to be dynamite. So I saw I saw Superman Red Sun. I thought that was really good, and then I saw Greyhound on uh, Apple. The Apple um, Apple Plus is that what it is? I signed up for a free month of that, or maybe it's a free week. I don't remember, but I signed up. I signed up for that. This stars Tom Hanks. It's like 
it's about this convoy of ships that have to make it across the sea during World War II. I thought that was good. I thought it was going to be great, but it only turned out to be good, but I, I did enjoy it. And then this past week, I saw... I saw a movie about Dave Arquette, David Arquette, the actor, and his wrestling career. I I think it was called You Can't Kill David Arquette or David Arquette Won't Die. Something something to that effect. The the whole the whole plot of the thing is it's a documentary is about how way back in the day the wrestling company WCW decided that they were going to give David Arquette the championship because he was in a movie they were promoting called Ready to Rumble. This caused like this caused hardcore wrestling nerds to like really flip their lid because how dare they? How dare they give a Hollywood actor the greatest title in all of wrestling? I myself as a wrestling fan, I don't care, dude. The wrestling title had been devalued in both companies. WWF and WCW has been devalued to the point. It's like who even who even cares who has it? This isn't like it's the 70s and this, this is the NWA strap being contested by Harley Race and Ric Flair and Hoss Funk and Terry Funk and all those guys. This belt has been held by like Vince Russo. This belt has been held by all kinds of knuckleheads. So it's like, I didn't even care. But David Arquette's like a big wrestling fan, like a big wrestling fan for real. And it really hurt him that wrestling fans were were so down on him. So he decided, he decided to get back into indie wrestling so that he could prove people wrong. And he like, he embarked on a career. He had matches all over the country. He had a death match, all kinds of, all kinds of crazy stuff. I thought this was pretty good. I found it. I think I watched it on Voodoo, which is like this, uh, this streaming rental app. I went to Joe Video. I actually, factually went to Joe Video to see if they had it there. They didn't. I don't know if it's available on physical yet, so I had to order it on the online. But I really thought this was fun. I'm I'm a fan of David Arquette. I think he's kind of a fun, quirky actor. I have no beef with him. I had no beef at all with him holding the championship, to be honest with you. I thought that he was, like, not a great wrestler by any means, but he was definitely a good heel, I thought. Kind of a funny heel. I don't know, man. The title was so devalued. I mean, who even... Who even cared? It's not like you're giving the Super Bowl championship to, like, like a peewee league team or whatever. I thought it was cool. I I remember one time I was listening to Howard Stern. I used to listen to Stern in the morning when he was on, on Live 105 here in, in San, Santa, Santa Rosa area. That's a San Francisco station that we get here. But I used to I used to listen to him, and he had David Arquette on as a guest, and he, he just, like, he offhandedly said, you know what would be really fun? It would be fun if every year they took the Oscars and whatever movie won the best picture— they remade it with David Arquette. And I've always thought that would be really fun. And I could I could definitely see that be like a, a quirky, like straight to video project that could be amusing. Let's see. The next question, this is from our guy Rick, Rick the Patron. He uh he asked, What are some of your favorite rewatchable movies? I I thought the best way to determine this was to ask the wife. I'm like, hey, what are some movies you see me watching over and over and over again. She's like, oh, that's easy. Goodfellas. She's like, you watch Goodfellas all the time. You watch the Blues Brothers, like every time it's on TV. You watch The Core with Aaron Eckhart. You watch any disaster movie that pops on. Shout out to my guy Potomac. You watch any disaster movie that pops up, you'll watch it over and over again. But the movie that I see you watching the most, like over and over and over again, is Casino, the Martin Scorsese movie Casino. She's like, you watch that all the time. You record it and you'll watch it like two or three times before it gets knocked off the DVR. I think that's a great movie. I really, really do like it. I don't think it's better than Goodfellas, but in some ways I kind of feel like it has more rewatchability at this point because I haven't seen it as many times as, as Goodfellas, of course. The Big Lebowski is one of the most rewatchable movies of all time. You can jump in at any time and you have a lot of fun with that. But I, I liked her insight into this. So 
I'm gonna say to answer the question, the most rewatchable movie that I have might very well be Casino. Ace ran the casino. I am the boss. Nikki ran the money. I'm trying to make a living, that's all. They shared a dream called Las Vegas. Look at this place, it's made of money. That was just too good to last. You didn't see you were being set up. Robert De Niro, you buried me. I buried you. Sharon Stone. Kill him. Joe Pesci. I owe you guys 35 years, I'm gonna whack him for you. A Martin Scorsese film, Casino, Rated R. Starts Wednesday at theaters everywhere. Let me see, I got my blue note card here like I'm Dave Letterman. The next one up is from our guy Mark, Mark the famous author. This one is, what do you prefer? Star Wars or Star Trek, my dude, that's not even close. I like Star Wars, I do, I think it's fun. Of course, obviously, everybody likes Star Wars, but I love, I love Star Trek way, way, way beyond my love for Star Wars could ever be true. Star Trek, to me, it's like a part of my life, dude. I've internalized it to where it is like a part of me. And Star Wars is like, it's cool. I enjoy it. I think it's great. But I kind of feel like Star Wars is kind of, they kind of miss as much as they hit. Like, a lot of the movies are not very good at all, while some of them are all, like, really, really, really good. But there's so much Star Trek out there in the world that it's like, it's affected my worldview. I think that one of the reasons I am the person I am today is this, this Roddenberry philosophy that I have in my life. So I'm going to say without a doubt, without a doubt, Star Trek to me is way, way, way better than Star Wars. I like them both. I think they're great. I think they both have like really neat qualities, but there's just like something about Star Trek. Just the philosophy of Star Trek, the life of Star Trek, the Star Trek universe, everything about it is just, I don't know, man. It's just so important to me. Let's see what we got next on here. Dot, 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 dot. Oh, this is from, um, this is from Joe. Patron Joe, good old Santa Rosa Joe, and he wants to know the origin of the name Icy Robots. That's a good one. I, I'm i a giant fan of the rap group, the Ultramagnetic MCs, and the lead rapper of the Ultramagnetic MCs is the guy that goes by the name Cool Keith. The Ultramagnetic MCs broke up in the, uh, I think it was like the late 90s, and Cool Keith went solo, and he recorded a record called Black Elvis. One of the songs on that record, Black Elvis, was a song called I'm Seeing Robots. And on it, he talks about how, he talks about how, like, he's out there in the world and he's seeing guys with, like, Bluetooth headsets, dudes living in their phones, dudes living this virtual life, and it's like, you're all just robots. And it had, it had him basically saying, I'm seeing robots. I'm seeing robots as the voicemail. Pagers. These are the things that robots carry. I'm seeing robots passing by every day. I'm seeing robots. La 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 la. I'm seeing robots passing by every day. I'm seeing robots. That like really stuck with me. And then at one point in my life, I, I was really into like creating comics. And I created this small zine-like comic about these robots who were banished from their planet because the batteries that powered them were creating like mass uh, pollution and blah 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 blah. It was pretty fun, but I I decided as an homage to Cool Keith and as an homage to that song, I named my comic I See Robots. And then I registered um, the domain name I See Robots to sell this comic. And after after I went through all that and all those comics were gone, I, uh, I, still, I still had the domain, so I kept like posting things there and blah, 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 blah. And then eventually over time, my name just became I See Robots because I was the owner of icrobots.com, blah, 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 blah. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. It's kind of a truncated version of the tale, but it kind of, it was just something that sort of happened. Over time, I became the creation that I created, IC Robots, the comic. It was a fun comic. I, I think I still have a few of those laying around somewhere. I really did enjoy doing that. I did the art. 
I did the writing. It's pretty fun. It doesn't look awesome because I am like an awful, like awful artist, but it does, it does kind of have a kitschy little fun style. It's one of those deals where it's like, it's kind of like a kid's story. It's really like, it's really cute. It's really sweet. It's not edgy in any way, but it's sort of, it's sort of aimed at adults in, in, in a way. It's fun. I enjoyed it. I did, I did like that. I, I should probably try to make a comic again. It was like a, like a nice little, nice little side thing. And then the next question comes from, uh, well, this is from the old, uh, cash money brother, my old bowling brother, Lex Ice. And he said, who do you think is the best heel of all time? And if you were a wrestler, what would your gimmick be? And what would your finishing move be? I think that, um, I think that the, the best heel of all time is probably Rowdy Roddy Piper, I think. But I, I don't know. I would say that it would be Ric Flair, but I, I do feel like Ric Flair hung around for so long that he kind of, he kind of devalued his name, much like Dave Arquette devalued the WCW title. But I, I can't take away anything from the dude because he's probably the best wrestler of all time. But he, he just stuck around for so long that you kind of, you kind of lost the idea of him being a heel. But when Rowdy, when Rowdy Roddy was at his peak, man, the guy could like, he could rock the mic like no other. And he had such heel heat when he was feuding with Hulk Hogan, man. It was like, it was banana. So I'm going to say, in my opinion... The Hot Rod was the best heel of all time. If I was a wrestler, this is something I've thought about. If I was a wrestler, I think that I would cultivate some kind of a gimmick to where I was like, I was like a top flight grappler. Like I had like submission moves and finishing moves. Not because I'm good at that kind of thing in any way, but I think mostly because I don't want to do any kind of like bumps. I don't want to do any kind of aerial moves. I don't want to come off the ropes. I don't want to do anything where I'm going to put my body in harm's way. So I figure... If I stick to the ground, if I grapple, if I have some kind of ground-based offense, I can avoid falling down, I can avoid jumping off things, I can avoid getting hurt, I can avoid all those things that I don't want to do. It's mostly, mostly for my protection. I would be like, I'd be like a Lord Steven Regal type, I'd be like a Dean Malenko type. This, of course, is like all fiction because I have no skills, very little athletic ability, but I... I would dig it. What would my finisher be? I actually, factually have a finishing move. Back in the days of junior high, me and my guys would sometimes do backyard wrestling. Not like you'd see backyard wrestling nowadays. It was just like we would wrestle out in my backyard. And I developed a finishing move that I called the wrecked angle. Like the word rectangle, but it's like you're wrecked. Like you're at a wrecked angle. And it basically went like this. Imagine like a full Nelson where you get behind the guy you have his arms up and both your your hands are like under his arms pushing in the back of his neck. It's kind of like that. But his arms are straight up and then you stick one of your arms all the way across. All the way across behind his neck, right? So it's like pushing his neck forward. I would use this move all the time and it would always make dudes tap out because like the pressure of pushing your neck down is a choke, and then it also put a lot of pressure on your shoulders from having the arm all the way across. When I was when I was doing martial arts back in the day, there were actually a couple times during tournaments where I used the rectangle on dudes and finished them. It made me really happy every single time, because, like, dudes think you're going for some kind of a full Nelson, but instead of reaching one arm, instead of reaching both arms in, rather, you jam one arm across really fast and just start pushing forward pushing their neck down into their chest. It's a choke. It hurts. It hurts like a mofo. Very unexpected. I gotta give a big shout out to Lex Ice for that. Good question. Let's see. This was the best question I received out of all the questions. My guy, Gino Vega, reached out and he said, who is the goat of goats? 
GOAT being the greatest of all time? Who is the greatest of all time of all the greatest of all times? For example, Ricky Henderson, this is what he said. Ricky Henderson's the GOAT of baseball. Ric Flair's the GOAT of wrestling. Captain America's the GOAT of superheroes. Muhammad Ali is the GOAT of boxing. If you take all the GOATs, who is the greatest of all time? Who is the greatest man that's ever lived? When he said this, a name immediately popped into my head, so I knew that I was on the right track. The GOAT of all GOATs is Mr. Rogers. Mr. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood fame, of PBS fame. I think that out of all the people in the history of people, no one has affected my worldview as much as Fred Rogers. I think that growing up, he just got into my heart, he got into my consciousness, and he made me the man that I am today. I think that one of the things that make him the goat of all goats is that he was the real deal. He wasn't like a character on TV, and then he went home and he was sniffing coke, hanging out with prostitutes. No, this guy was real. He was Mr. Rogers in his heart. He was Mr. Rogers 24-7. He lived it. He was it. And I think that I think that he did so much for the world just by just by sending out this message of peace and love and of ELE. I think that he just did so much. He's like him and Star Trek made me the man I am today. I think that when I was younger, when I was a young kid, Mr. Rogers made me the man I was. Then Star Trek Next Gen came around and that got into my heart and my head. And then that pushed me further into becoming the ELE, everybody love, everybody guy that I am now. So in my opinion, the goat of all goats is Mr. Rogers. I'd love to hear who you guys think is the goat of all goats. Reach out to me. I would love to hear it. Goat of all goats, at Icy Robots on the tweets. If you got some greater man than Mr. Rogers, I won't believe it, but I'd love to hear it. So these were all great. I really enjoyed doing this. If you guys have any questions, man, hit me up. If they're fun, I'll talk about them on the show, man. This is like a hard slog doing these two a weeks, dude. So I, I need some stuff to talk about. If you got anything fun, please, please, please hit me up. At IC Robots on the tweet, facebook.com backslash IC Robots. I hardly go to the Facebook page anymore. I, I post there from a third-party app. I've been locked out because they say I owe them a lot of money. Because I got hacked. I got hacked by some evil enemies of the show. And they racked up hundreds of dollars in Facebook ad bills. Which I which I never, not never, will pay if they want to shut down the page. Feel free to do it, man. Facebook, I dare you. Shut it down. The people will riot in the streets. But... If you want to reach me, the best way to do it, honestly, is at IC Robots on the tweets. I'm on the tweets all the time, always checking that. I hardly ever check the actual Facebook page. I said that just a minute ago. So, on the tweets, hit me up, goat of all goats. I think we're going to get out of here, man. I think this has been a really rousing, really great time. So, until we meet again, dude, remember, E-L-E, everybody love everybody. Do the time, don't let the time do you. Times seem hard right now, but you got to believe Things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Stuff's, stuff's getting better. Things are getting better. This has been an IC Robots radio production.
This is me I spoke 1-3, and I see Robots is too proud to admit it but he needs you to go over to supportthereport.com and sign up as a patron member. It doesn't cost much and our boy is looking around in garbage cans for things to bring home. Supportthereport.com Tons of patron-only shows for a small monthly donation. Don't let I see robots become master. The Grouch. That address was supportthereport.com.